tale of romance, danger, adventure, and intrigue as two lovers travel through a myriad of alternate realities where anything is possible. This week on the podcast, Virtual Mode by Piers Anthony. Hi, and welcome to Growing Up Bookish. It's a nostalgic book podcast where we reread things we used to like and see if we still like them. I'm one of your hosts, Emma. I'm your other host, Allison. This week we're reading our first, like, adult novel. And I don't mean adult as in, like, adult. (laughs) I mean, like, not for teens or children. This wasn't for teens? No. Okay, so what's funny is that Amazon classifies it as YA. I don't think this book is YA. Why not? What, what are the qualifications for YA, in your opinion? I don't know. Is it the language? The yes. style? I think it was like the the really dark and deep topics that they talk about. Mm-hmm. And lots of sex talk. Uh-huh. So there was a lot of that. And all, like, not this book so much, but later books get, like, really math-heavy. And it's just... I just don't think it was... It may be about a teenage girl, but I don't think it was written for teenage girls. Yeah. Despite the fact that I read it when I was a teenager. <laughs> but actually, this is the very first quote unquote adult novel that I, or adult fantasy novel that I've ever read. And my mother bought it for me because I told her I wanted to start reading more adult books because I was tired of the teen stuff. It's too childish. Too for childish, you. mother. <laughs> mother, go get me a proper adult novel. <laughs> Um, I am almost positive my mother has, has never read this. She saw the cover. This cover is pretty amazing. It is one of my favorite book covers so ever. Good. If I could get this on a poster and put For it in real. my room, For real. I would. Yeah. Uh, the cover basically has our main character, Colleen, standing in Darius's realm. This is obviously Darius's realm. That's the main male character. <laughs> but the people that are listening to this are like, like, who are these what? people? What? You'll You'll figure it out. Yeah. And her horse buddy is with her, mm-hmm. Sekiro. And it's got magical-looking crystals on the ground. The background is, looks like looks like the stalactites in a cave, but they're pastel. Yeah, they're purple. Purple and, and pink. And, and pinks. And, yeah, it's gorgeous. And, yeah, it's really pretty. Um, I'm not actually sure about the item in the front foreground. I don't remember that from okay. the book. Well, one of my things was like, okay, is this a staff or is this like a sign? I think it's a maybe sign. Maybe it's just there for decoration and not, and it doesn't have any, doesn't even occur in the book at all? I am almost positive it has to occur in the book and I just don't remember Okay. It. So obviously it's not in the first half, which is what we're reading today. <laughs> the first half. Do you pronounce her name Colleen? Well. I've been reading it as Colleen. So I did, when I first read it, I read it as Colleen. But then I listened to the audiobook and they said Colleen. And then I read some review somewhere where someone was like, Colleen, like Jolene. And so I was like, Well, it oh. is spelled like Jolene. Yeah. I just so thought I'm, it was I think a different a- way to spell Colleen. But Colleen, all right. I think it's I Colleen. Like it. it sounds cool. Yeah. All right. Before we start, I have an important thing I have to talk about. All right. Okay. Go for it. I'm just going to preface this right off the bat. <laughs> Listen, I know that this book is sexist as hell. I did not know this when I was 14. I'm pretty sure I didn't realize how bad it was when I read it as a kid. Maybe I noticed it, but it didn't affect me the way that it does now. Mm-hmm. Reading it now, the sexist parts of this book did alter my enjoyment of the book. And that's really sad because they don't add anything to the story. They're not they're not there for any purpose other than the fact that the author is obviously sexist. 
<laughs> is he? Have have there been a lot of his other books are similar? Like, okay. Yeah, I I think he has that kind of thing in his writing a lot, where he always wants to talk about a girl's breasts and oh, what okay. they look like. Okay. You know. Yeah. And perhaps fantasy in the eighties was super into that. Yes. Like where it was all like babes on dragons and they were wearing chainmail bikinis. Kitties, and yes. this book is from 1991. He is a writer from the 80s. 80s. So it, those themes still carry out. I'm not going to say bit. that makes it okay, but I'm not going to mention all of the things in the book that grate on my nerves because there's so many of them. And honestly, they don't add to the story. And so I'm just going to pretend they don't exist. Okay. <laughs> if you want to mention them, feel free. All right. Because it's not like it's not unimportant to realize that it's in your face. Yes. But I chose to pretend they didn't exist. <laughs> and so I did not mention them in my notes. Okay. Because otherwise it would have been me raging yeah. about very blatant sexism <laughs> in the entire very thing. Very different episode. The book is so enjoyable otherwise, and so I'm just going to try to pretend that, that just, we're just not going to talk about it. Okay. I'm not going to talk about it. Okay. All right. Well, if I, if I, should we come up with like a safe word? Like if I start talking about something that's I want you to just talk about you whatever just... you want. Just don't let me get off on like a rant okay. that takes forever. Okay. That's really what I'm worried about because okay. it, w I will get so mad. Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm, I do want to hear some of your opinion about it because you have more experience reading this type of story. I, I only read one Piers Anthony book in high school and that was uh, you know, some, it was a Xanth book. Yes, it was Ogre Ogre. Um, and it was just because there was some girl in my class yeah. that was like, hey, you should read this book. And that's the only one that I read. So I don't really have, I never really went for the high fantasy right. type of stuff that's in this in this genre. So I don't have much experience about <laughs> the things that I, they chose. I bet you, though, if you went back and read that book, you'd see some of it in there. Because I went back and read the very first Xanth book, which is called Spell for Chameleon. And that's the series that Piers Anthony is known for. Almost mm -hmm. everyone's heard of Xanth, right? Yeah. It's kind of like a Terry Pratchett style where it's like humorous. Yes. There's no humor in this book. So it's not that way. But uh, the first Xanth book I really loved growing up because I read it after I read this. And I was like, ooh, I love Piers Anthony. And I went and read all his other stuff. Uh, I read that one recently as an adult. And it's got, it's got it's all that same sexism okay. in it. And so I bet you, if you reread <laughs> well, the one that you read, it's probably going to be on our list because I, mean, I am interested to see. Yeah, you just don't notice those things when you're younger, I guess, or maybe it was just a different time. I don't know. I don't um, know either. I don't feel like I it was think that I have different. a tendency to get just sucked into the fantasy world, and either my brain is like, "This is a different reality," so it's but not, you noticed it in this book. Oh uh, yeah, this is not. <laughs> I don't think it's more blatant in this book than any of his other books. Okay, I don't think so. We'll see. <laughs> Anyway, that okay. was a really long like <laughs> intro to a book. I, I just have well, to. I have to. It is yes. important because it is. If you read any review for this book, that's all people talk about. The and sexism. It, and it makes me upset because the book is good. Let's just pretend it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Anyway, um, gosh, I feel like I got way off track. Um, well, do they have like edited versions of books? Like somewhere out in the universe, I would love to someone edit this, edit, book. edit this book and just get rid of those parts. I would love to do that. I'm sure that's illegal. Well, you for don't me to edit sell it, it and then but like you don't sell it. it. You just I don't put know. it on. You put it online as like. You don't think an author would be like mad about that? 
I don't know. I'm just like... He, because, you know, Piers Anthony now writes just straight up, like, erotic novels. Does he? he it's clearly what he's always wanted to do. <laughs> it's like, finally. Finally, he can do I it because he's self-published now. Step out of the shadows now. and yeah. do what I want. I got one on Kindle recently. It was called, and I knew it was going to be, I knew it was going to be because its name is, like, Pornocopia or something. <laughs> like, it's about, he's like, not a... He's hiding it. He no, it's, he literally is not. It's literally about, like, a, a virtual world a la, you know, Second Life where people go in and they, like, have sex or whatever. And I was, like, really fascinated, but I couldn't finish it because... I it just <laughs> I've read a lot of really good smut and I'm sorry Piers Anthony that may be your dream but you're not really that good more, he needs more practice yeah with he's he doesn't have the romance down oh well <laughs> sorry Piers <laughs> you keep writing them erotic novels but I'm not gonna read them yeah. I've read good erotic novels <laughs> okay well real, well real quick I want to know what your like first impressions first, were before you read did you read the back this time before I you did I did read um, it read the back now okay at first, Colleen didn't believe the strange man she found lying on the side of the road. He spoke of a different world filled with wonder, was dressed in clothes she had never seen before, and knew a language she had never heard. He said that he loved her and wanted to take her back to his home. Colleen suspected Darius was crazy until he vanished before her eyes. Well, if falling in love was crazy, Colleen was now fully prepared to say goodbye to reality and hello to an infinite world of dragons and monsters and impossible dreams. Does this not sound like a, it sounds amazing. a teen girl's dream book? Yeah. That's, yeah, it does. My mom probably read that and she's like, Allison's going to love, love this. this. And I did, but she obviously didn't read the first page. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. We step right into it. But looking at the cover, I'm like, like we said, it's beautiful. It's yeah. absolutely gorgeous. So my thoughts are, you know. She's going to ride this horse in her blue jeans and beige sweater. Yep. And what is she going to do with that big black duffel bag? Like, she's carrying her travel supplies. <laughs> Duh. I know, but wouldn't you want that in a backpack? I would not want that. <laughs> <laughs> I doubt she's thinking about that. So chapter one is called Colleen. And right away the book opens and we learn immediately that Colleen is suicidal. She's a suicidal teenager who has crafted herself this perfect outer shell where she's a great student. Everybody likes her. She's pretty and popular, but she's depressed. Yes. But she has a very teenager outlook on suicide where she likes the idea of it and is obsessed with the idea of it, but doesn't actually, she's not serious about it yet. You don't think she's serious about it? No. Oh, okay. I don't know because <laughs> later. Yeah, I know. I just, for me, when I, when I was first reading this part, it didn't seem so like, I guess, lack of a better word, emo, like, oh my gosh. Actually, when I first read this, I thought, gosh, I'm going to have to mention it. It's fine. <laughs> okay. So, he, Piers Anthony used this phrase it was the only way and for some odd reason that seemed really strange to me um when discussing someone cutting themselves it was the only way and so i'm like oh okay well this is a fantasy book is it that she's in our reality or is she in a different reality oh, you didn't know yeah where she has to like she's part of some society in which certain members have to like bloodlet <laughs> to assuage some monster or beast i don't know just the whole thing seemed seemed weird i don't know there was something weird about it it did not hit me at first that she's just a normal teenage girl in yeah. in our reality 
yeah, that just, suffering from depressing thoughts. Right. And she has to, she feels she, she has to cut herself. She does. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I, I, maybe she is serious. I don't know. It's, it's hard for me because I have never been there. I mean, I've been depressed, but not cut. So I don't know what the inner thoughts are when you're feeling that. I feel like from an outsider's perspective, it seemed realistic to me because she kind of goes through cycles in her brain where she's rationalizing it. And it seems to me that it's a pretty realistic portrayal, but what do I know? Well, she's an interesting character. Oh my God, I love her. Um, I love her as a character. She's flawed as hell. She is. But I love her. And there are parts of her that I can definitely connect with. I can right. I can connect with the depressive parts. The thrill-seeking that she has, yes. I cannot connect with. Because I'm like, girl, you get yourself in some <laughs> dangerous situations. Well, let's move on and we'll get yes. to those. Uh, okay, so... Yeah, she, so she's depressive. She cuts herself. She doesn't want anyone to know, so it's a secret. She feels like she can't relate to her parents or her peers, which is something that I connect with. Yes. Her own parents are of no help to her because... Here we are again. Parents that are... Bad me- parents. Absolute mess. Yeah. Absolute but th- mess. In this one, they're not just absent. They're like a, a literal mess. Like yeah. her mom's a drunk and her dad's an adulterer and they fight with each other and it's basically just a broken she, Yeah, she has to take care of herself. They really yes. don't They don't pay any attention no. to her. Nope. So one day she's on her way home from school and she sees a figure lying in the ditch behind her house. She realizes it's a man, but she approaches it because the danger (laughs) excites her. Exactly. Because she's like, this guy could kill me or rape me, but I feel excited. So I'm going to go for it. I don't understand that either. I, yeah. But because, I mean, but maybe. Did you know anybody like that? No, but I mean, I don't think they would have told me. Well, I'm wondering if like, is this a true portrayal of of a young girl? Because I don't know if we find out now that she's 14, but. We find out soon. I think in the next chapter you find out she's 14. But yeah, she's only 14. She's a very adult 14 year old. Yeah, I'm looking at the cover. I'm like, oh, she's like 17. I still think 14 is pretty young. I feel like Piers Anthony just didn't know how young he should have made her. Maybe like, he wanted her that young. It's mm. possible. He is a dirty old man. <laughs> it's possible. But I'm I'm in my head I see her as like 16. Yeah. She's well yeah. like you said, she's very mature. Yes. She acts more like a 16-year-old. So she knows that this figure lying in the ditch could stab her, but she doesn't care. She goes up and helps him, helps to revive him, brings him water, helps him to his feet, whatever. Um, the man is weak and doesn't speak a language she understands. She takes him to her little shed in the backyard, which is her, like... Very convenient. Yeah. Her kind of, like, sanctuary, like her own clubhouse, yeah. I guess. Her hideaway. Yeah. Um, and so she brings him food and water, still scared of him, but she realizes that she has to tell him somehow that he needs to stay in the shed and not leave. So she... Goes through this painstaking, like, teaching him how to communicate process, which I, we all know would never work so easily in real life. You don't think so? I mean, she did say, like, he's a really quick study. And oh, yeah, surprised that's true. her. That's true. But still, like, she was able to communicate enough to be like, you got to stay in here. Yeah. Don't go to the big house over yeah. there. The, throughout all this co- communication, she finds out his name is Darius. Later, she cleans him up and discovers he's handsome. <laughs> so how old do you think Darius is? I imagine him being like 20-something. Okay. Like, when I was reading this growing up, in my head, even though they say she's 14, she was 16 to me. And he was like 22. 
which is still Yikes. a pretty big age gap. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? As a 16-year-old, I didn't care. I was into it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as an adult, I think back and I'm like, huh, that's a little strange. But, you know. Okay. True love. <laughs> True, yeah. So she cleans him. He's cute. She teaches him new words. Uh, she gives him a box of matches because he's, like, amazed by them. So we kind of get hints that this guy is definitely not from here. Right. But she still thinks she still thinks he's, like, a foreigner, a weird foreigner. Yeah. She's lost her fear of him at this point because she spent, like, the whole day talking to him or mm-hmm. whatever, sort of talking to him. Later, she obviously has to, like, leave him in there and go back to her house to sleep. But she can't sleep because she's thinking about the guy. <laughs> So she puts on her uh, sexy nighty <laughs> and goes out to the shed to keep him warm. You know, that thrill-seeking. Th- that's the th- <laughs> uh, See, I think, like, they explain her putting on the nighty not at first with that intention. They say she puts on the nighty because, like, she sleeps better in it. Like, they mentioned that she feels there, yes, good Yes, there's a comfort. It. Yeah, she feels, exactly, she feels good in and it. And so she thought that she could sleep in it, but then once she was in it, she was like, huh. Maybe I should go see how the dude's doing. And then she gets out there and she sees him like shivering under the blanket. And she's like, huh, maybe I should just warm him with my body. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, okay, you girl. could just run back into the house. Well, she did mention get- too that she can't take too many blankets. Yes. Because then. Apparently. But I'm like, her I don't absent think her parents, parents Yeah, I don't think observant. so either. She, mentions, she makes a ton of comments about how like, oh, I can't take too much or I can't go in and out of the house too many times. And I'm like, your parents don't seem like they give any shits about you, girl. Exactly. And they've never noticed anything. No, they haven't. So, so whatever. But it's she's just, being it's all overly cautious. So No, it's just an excuse. Oh, is it? She oh. wants to lay next to this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so before she does, though, she goes to this whole like... Uh, where you can and can't touch me. She's business. setting her boundaries. Yes. Good for her. She's like, you can touch me on my head, maybe on my boob, but no in the lower region. And he's just like, uh-huh. And she lays down and they sleep and nothing happens. Nothing happens. She wakes up and she's like disappointed. Yeah, she is. She's like, I'm kind of disappointed that he didn't touch me. And I'm like, okay, what girl. What do you want, girl? I don't know. She doesn't know what she wants. She doesn't know what she wants. So she wakes up, she realizes it's daytime and she jets out of the shed. That's the end of chapter one. Yeah. So it's, I do want to mention that I am giving like the bare minimum. Yes, you are. They, he spent, okay. So another thing too, when I first started reading this, it took me a while to adjust to his style and I still can't figure it out. I don't know. He if jumps it's because, around. Well, it's more than that. I think it's, um, it almost feels like I'm reading, not necessarily this part, but another part. It almost feels like I'm reading a textbook. Because there's no, it's just this information. It's just this information. So it's not like I'm going into someone's style. Like with Neil Gaiman, like I can kind of flow with his language. But with Piers Anthony, I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, this is just. He explains everything in a very Ooh. clinical manner. Yeah. Clinical. That's a very good word yes. for it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of character building in the first chapter about Colleen. You learn a lot about her. Yes. But it's almost like told in such a way that she is having this like really long inner monologue and she jumps from like present to past and, you know, story to story. But it's all explained in like excruciating detail that you're kind of like, no person thinks like this. (laughs) But they but we know everything about her because we we were told. Absolutely. And the process of them communicating to each other took a long time. Yes. And it feels like Pierce Anthony went through like. Every single moment, like (laughs) 
every yeah. everything. Yeah, there so. is a lot. I mean, Emma did say she wanted uh, less conversation and more. Uh, heavy, yeah, more this is heavy text. Yeah, yeah, for real. There's definitely not a lot of conversation in this. <laughs> no, book. no, at least not at this point. Well, okay, so so yeah, basically, I'm going through the major events of the story, but there most of the meat of everything is in those little details that I'm not gonna go through because I couldn't. Yeah. I, we would be here all day. Okay. I'm just going through True. the plot points. If you're more interested, read it on your own. Yeah. So after this chapter, I tried to decide what would be some major um, astrological points for uh, for Colleen. Oh, what sign is she? I wonder if they yeah. ever say what her birthday is. I don't know. I don't, I don't so remember. Far. I mean, they haven't said it so far. Well, I feel like the thrill-seeking might be some sort of fire sign. So maybe she's like a rising Sag, rising Sagittarius. But also, she's very methodical with things and cares about the appearance of things. Like a Virgo. Like a Virgo or a Taurus. Taurus, Taurus, Taurus. are not necessarily methodical, but they do care about the beauty in things. Yeah, they do. So either, but either a Capricorn or Taurus or Virgo. And then I was thinking maybe for her moon sign, like she's maybe some water. She's, she's an emotional girl. She's, yeah, she's, she's got depth. She can definitely process definitely that emotions. stuff. So <laughs> maybe she's got like a Scorpio or a Pisces moon. I don't know. I don't know either. But now I'm like, man, did they ever say what her birthday was? I guess I'm just going to have to go maybe re- read it. the whole series oh, again. Oh, God. Did you read the whole series? Oh, yeah. And actually, uh, it was awful because by the time I bought this book, the first three had already come out. It's four four books long. Okay. And each one ends on a cliffhanger because it's a series. Of course yeah. it's going to. When I read the third one, I thought that that was it because no more had come out. He didn't release. So the third one came out in 1993. He didn't release the fourth one until 2001. Oh, my God. God. And so I thought I was never going to get an end to this. And it wasn't until like in 2001, I was in college and I was in a Barnes and Noble and I was like, there oh was. my God. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe it. I've waited 10 years for this almost. I, I mean, actually, I guess it was less than that because I probably didn't read it until like 1995, 96, something like that. But yeah, I thought they were never going to end this series. But but they were they you satisfied with the ending? No. Okay. Because clearly he didn't write it back then because the series wasn't doing well enough to continue. Uh. And back then they didn't do what they do now, where like if someone writes a trilogy or whatever, they buy the trilogy. And gotcha. You, you it's finish like you're those contracted three and out it. for those three. Yeah. Um, with this one, I, I think you just write and then you don't get contracted unless it does well. I yeah. guess. Or maybe he got contracted for three and thought he could do better. I don't know. The only thing is, is like I he. Finished the last one, obviously, as, like, a labor of love. Oh. But it was, like, not good. I've only read it one time, and I don't really remember what happens. I just remember being real disappointed. Oh, no. <laughs> That's okay. Well, don't put it on the list. No. I mean, no. We're not, no. <laughs> anyway. Right. Chapter two. It's called Darius. So we get to learn about him. Yeah. It's now from his point of view. I loved this chapter. Really? Well, at least the first part of it. Yes. Because I, I, I fell in love with him, like, see in I, this chapter. I easily. feel like I like Colleen way more, and I relate to her more, and her, her chapters are more interesting to me because I like getting inside her head. Mm. And obviously with Darius, he's from a different world, so it's interesting learning, like, all the inter- idiosyncrasies of how his yes. society functions. Yes. And that is interesting. Yeah. And I'm going to try my best to explain it. Because <laughs> it's... it's 
It's trippy. It's, it's trippy. There. It's good, though. All right. So, well, we start with Darius's point of view as Colleen is racing out of the shed. He thinks to himself that she just might be the woman he's looking for. But for what? <laughs> Cue flashback. <laughs> so now we have a flashback of Darius. We learn that he's from another world reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, we already knew that from the back of the book. But just in case you didn't read the back of the book, now you know. He, in his own world, is the king of laughter. But Which, it's written really weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it took me it took me a bit to figure out his versus yeah. the other ones. Yeah, like power and management are the only two other ones that I think they were mentioned and it's just like power yeah. is missing an O. Yeah, and management's missing like I think most two of A's the or most something. of the vowels. Yeah. yeah. It's like they don't like vowels in, in their world. <laughs> okay. But his is spelt differently. Like laughter is spelt like H L A something. H T A R. Laughter. Laughter. And and King is spelled C Y N G. That makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, that's a little bit of a When I read it, I was like, oh, God, it's going to be one of those books where I can't pronounce Where I can't pronounce things. Sing of And then you just don't read them. You just skip over them. You just skip over them. It's easy this time. He's the King of Laughter. There you go. And the job of the King of Laughter is to spread joy to people in the kingdom who can't seem to produce enough of it themselves. That's kind of how their people work. They produce some themselves, but not enough. And so his job is to spread joy to them so they don't get depleted. However, in order to spread this joy, he must take the joy of another and multiply it. Because his job, his skill ability, magic ability, is to multiply the emotion. Not everyone has that ability. Right. And that's why he's king. And... In order to do, he can't take it from himself because then he would be depleted, depleted and wouldn't be able to do his job. So he has to take it from another person, multiply it, spread it off to all the other people. For some reason, that's not quite clear. The king has to take his joy from his wife. <laughs> Why a wife? Couldn't it be a servant? So a friend? Yeah, pre- it, they never a hundred percent explain it. The only thing, and it's fine to get ahead on this, but the only thing that they ever bring up is that. The process of taking joy from another person is, quote unquote, intimate. Right. And so, but they don't have to be married to do it. Like, I guess maybe that's just like a societal thing. Like, it's It's improper to be that. But then they have like servants that they could sleep with. So for whatever, I mean, it helps the plot along, but it makes no sense. Yes. For whatever reason. It's a rule. It's a rule that the king has to take the joy from his wife. Okay. But it will eventually kill her. Right. Because eventually all her joy will be depleted. And I guess, I don't know, she lays down and dies. Because she's got no joy left in her life. (laughs) There you go. So. But before doing that, they have to divorce them. Oh, right, right. So. So they do actually care about these women. Thank God. The king must divorce and remarry before the wife in question loses all her joy and which they Kills say is about one to two years before yeah, they about get, two years of and they do recover, but they have to spend like the I time. guess like the rest of their lifetime recovering. I don't because think I don't it's think the they, rest of the lifetime, but it does. Do I they, mean, I don't know that they ever say how long. It just says that they eventually recover. But do they take the same wife again? They can only no. Take they've the wife never once. done. They never okay. do that. Probably because who would want to? Because <laughs> yeah, they mentioned s- that sign me up for the worst two years <laughs> of my life again. They do mention that women sign up for it willingly because they get money 
and get, yeah, status. they're taken care of. Yeah. Yes. So people sign up for it because otherwise they'd be, you know, a peasant or something, I guess. Yeah. And so like poor women will sign up for it so they can live comfortably for the rest of their lives. Couldn't they just try to improve the lives of these people? Rather- but it doesn't work because okay, but that's later. <laughs> okay, right now we're getting the overview. Later we get to see it in action. Okay, so let's just let's just keep going. Okay, it is like a, it's a very unique concept. It is. So Darius, being the romantic guy that he is, <sighs> he doesn't want to keep divorcing a million women. He wants one wife that he can love forever and ever. Yes, yes. So he. Goes to see his supreme ruler, the king of power, who I I guess is the supreme ruler. He seems to be in charge of things, you know. And he asks him if there's any way that he can make this happen without having to, like, deplete women over and over. The king suggests to him that he travel the modes, Mm -hmm. which essentially is alternate realities that are kind of like ours but different. Well, there's some that aren't anything like ours, but he has like a special device called a chip that can attune itself to a another potential, reality. Yeah, that and uh, yeah, it can attune itself to a potential mate. Like they can choose that it's female. They could choose that she is likely suitable to be a self-generating joy person. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can't choose age or health. And it can only be a person that has no significance on their own reality. I, I loved that part. Really? So, yes. Uh, where's where's the thing? Okay. So yeah, you can't take people from their modes if they're going to have a significant part in their mode. So one of the things that the King of Power says in general, only those folks who are destined to have a minimal impact on their re- realities can be taken. It may be that their modes know that these folk are soon to be lost anyway and do not try to hold them. I just thought that was such an interesting concept. It is. It's fascinating. Because they kind of liken it to what, like a rock that has like a chip that's going right. to come off or something. It'll like let it's that already, chip go. Yeah. It lets the chip go because it's already loose, you know. Yeah. And so that could mean the person just has no significance. That could mean they're fated to die which could be like a health reason or they're about to get in an accident or something like that. So it could be any of those things. And this chip will orient on a person like that that Darius can go find. So they're going to send him. And once he wants to return, he just uses a special device called a key to wish his way back home. And they will be able to transport him back instantaneously. Sounds easy. Yeah. Sounds easy. (laughs) But is it? Is it? So, you know, despite the fact that the king says that many have gone and returned, Darius is like, nah, I'm going to find that wife. And he goes. (laughs) So now we're back in the present. Darius thinks about Colleen, decides that she must be the girl he came for, but he remembers, whoops, I lost the key. So I can't go back home anyway. Oh, no. Unfortunately, the day he got here, the day, not even the day, I think like the hour, like the hour he got into our world, oh, yeah. he gets robbed, <laughs> beaten and robbed, robbed, and they stole the key. Welcome to Earth, sir. Welcome to Earth. <laughs> yeah, what is funny about it, though, is that they, the people drive by in a car, 
and he has never seen a car before. And one of the guys like flicks him off out the window yeah. and Darius is like, oh, this must be a signal of hello. And he <laughs> flicks him off back. And then the car turns around and they beat the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to America. Woo! <laughs> yeah, they're in Oklahoma, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Welcome Oklahoma. to Oklahoma. Oklahoma. So th- that's his predicament now. Colleen returns later with food for him. He is scandalized by her blue jeans. <laughs> Such a weird part. I mean, I get it, but I'm like, do we really need to spend this much time? Because he's pervy, dude. <laughs> like, okay, so this isn't like one of the horrible sexist things that I was talking about, but it is something. We're meant to understand that in Darius's realm, women dress very conservatively to so as not to show they, their bits they wear what he calls diapers a diaper which is they later they describe yes. it as padded underwear right so you can't get any kind of yeah. sense of what yeah what's down there down there. <laughs> so it's a very i don't know archaic tradition but it's not like we don't have places like that on earth that True. are like that True. so it's understandable i guess yeah. but that the but blue jeans are there's a lot well there's a lot of time spent on this, There, too. There is. There is. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. She thinks it's hilarious. Yeah, she does. <laughs> but that's part of what makes him realize that she could be perfect for him because she's, like, laughing. And he's like, why is she laughing? I didn't, didn't even... Transfer my, my yeah. emotions. She or... just, it just happened. And I think that that's really interesting, yeah. too. So Colleen asks him to describe his situation to her. And we get a little bit more information about it that way. Tell me again what you do. Colleen, I will not be doing it anymore because... Tell me! He did not understand her intensity. I bring joy to the multitudes. I make them laugh. Then you are a comedian. No, I do not tell funny stories or do funny things. I infuse joy directly so that they can laugh at what merits it. That's what I don't understand. How can you... I mean, that's not the way it works. How does it work here? Each person's pleasure and pain come from inside him. If he sees or hears something funny, he laughs and he feels good. If he sees something bad, he's unhappy. If something hurts his body, he feels pain. But the pain is from his nervous system, not the other thing. If he loves or hates, the emotion is all in himself. He can't receive it like an electric current from anyone else. Physically, that is true for us too, but emotionally, we can transfer it. It is my post to transfer joy to others. But if you can do that, that doesn't mean you lose it yourself. Indeed it does. It is my emotional substance being shared. But then you would be miserable after making one person happy. No, I have a special qualification for the post. I can magnify my joy as I transfer, making a thousand people happy, while I suffer only a little depletion. Most people can exchange only on an even basis, as you say. But some can multiply, and I can multiply better than any other. That is why I am king. Then what's your problem? There are many thousands who need joy, so many that I cannot serve them all without eventually being depleted. But I cannot stop, because then everyone would become unhappy. What does a wife have to do with it? My wife shares her joy with me. I can then share it with others multiplied. Were she able to share on an even basis, that would double my ability to serve. But normally women are found who can multiply somewhat themselves, so that I may receive what two or three others might provide. That can enable me to carry on for a year or more before we are both depleted. And what happens then? I must divorce her before she dies so that she can recover. Then I must marry another so that I can continue my work. How could you do that to one you loved? Darius spread his hands. I cannot. That is why I elected to search in other realities. So that better explains what I explained a minute ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Colleen is skeptical about the entire thing because she's kind of unsure that he's telling the truth because she's like, this sounds crazy, bro. It does. But she goes along with the conversation anyway, as if she believes him. Yeah. You know, she's humoring him, I guess, because she likes the idea of it. Yeah. Even if she's, she's like... I'm sure she's bored in her reality, so why not listen yeah. to this fantasful... Well, they also make it clear in the first chapter about her that she has a very imaginative mind. Yes, she does. And she kind of lives in a fantasy world herself. Mm -hmm. And that's why in her shed, she's got like all these like fantasy type posters and books and things like that. Because she wants to believe that that stuff is real. Yeah. I, I feel you, Colleen. Yeah. Me too. So then Colleen asks Darius how he feels about her. Not as a suitable candidate, but as a woman. And that's when he's like... Oh, shit, there's only one way to find out. And so they kiss. Ah. So you like Darius, huh? I do like Darius. I do. He's a little too formal for me. I don't mind the formality. I think I liked him much more when I was a teen. Because I was like, oh, he's romantic and he's he formal is. and he's respectful. He is. But then I was like, oh, that's not interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, the fact that he's from another reality is interesting enough for me. To be honest, his reality sounds terrible for women. <laughs> I don't think I'd I want to go there. The, okay, so the fact, for me, the fact that they actually care that these women don't die is astounding to me. Wait, that's like, that's not. Okay. <laughs> You don't get credit for not caring if people died. That's like I, a given. For the, the fact that they have to use women in order to create, to help create joy. And they're actually thinking about, hey, we don't want, we don't want them to die. So we need to divorce them first. I don't know. For me, that was. I mean, if, if women died doing it, no one would sign up for it. And then where would they true. be? That's true. But there was something about it, like, I know that there are, pro there are definitely probably um, other things wrong with their society, but the it, fact that they don't just cast the women, like, why not just use them up and throw them away? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, guess they're not, I guess they're not evil and awful. They just, you know, the women can't have power, and no, the women can't. are basically just subservient to their husbands, and I ain't down with that. <laughs> I ain't down with that. Chapter three is called Key. So this is apparently a mind-blowing kiss because Colleen and Darius both decide that they are most definitely in love. <laughs> and they describe it really nicely. Yeah, they do. It's very romantic. She knew it had not been long externally, but internally it was as if she had stepped across realities, or modes as Darius put it. Then she was sobbing against his shoulder and it wasn't disappointment but relief. Now she knew how he really felt about her. And he knew how she felt about him. She had not really believed in electricity between people or in instant knowing. Not until now. There you, so go. There you go. Now they've got a problem, right? Yeah, well, because she, they have no key. Yeah. Yeah. So Colleen decides at this point, she's like, I don't care if I end up unsuitable for marriage. And I have to be your love slave rather than your wife or whatever. Because obviously if, she, if they find out she can't do the joy thing he can't marry her because I don't know they have to be married it doesn't make sense <laughs> so then he would have to be she would have to be his mistress yes. quote unquote <sighs> it's all so stupid <laughs> but whatever so she's like you know what I don't care I'll be your mistress it's fine I just want to go wherever you go and so he explains how traveling to his home world works and describes the key for her which he has now lost right she says she's gonna get the key back she squeezed his fingers reassuringly. So if I could recover that key. 
I could return, but it's lost. But if I found it for you... His finger stiffened against hers. If you could do that... I can't promise, Darius, but I'll try. You give me hope. If I had that key, I would take you with me. That's the idea, you know. His face turned towards her. But you don't believe. I believe you love. That is enough, I think. They leaned together and kissed. Again, she felt the magic tingle of passion, intimacy, and commitment. All that she lacked in her own poor life she had found in Darius. She knew. She spent the afternoon stocking supplies. She had some money of her own, and she used it to buy groceries at the only store within walking distance that was open on Sunday. She piled them into the shed. These are canned goods, she explained. You open them with this can opener. They may not taste good cold, but they'll feed you. But why are you doing this? He asked. She faced him seriously. This is Sunday. Tomorrow I go back to school. I think I know how to find your key, but getting it may be tricky. If I don't come back, I don't want you to starve. Stay here as long as you can, and when you can't, well, you'll just have to go out. But I'll try to get back here, okay? This is just in case. Just in case what? He demanded, alarmed. She shook her head. Darius, it's been beautiful here with you. You've made me believe in human decency again, but out there's the real world, and it's not all that nice. Please don't ask me to tell you anymore. If I ask, you will tell? Yes, but please don't. Then I ask you only to be careful. Thank you. She kissed him. She liked doing that. Not only did it make her feel good, but it made her feel good about it. He was a good man, and he welcomed her kisses, and he asked no more than that. It was love fulfilled, for now, until she had the chance to prove her love in a way he might not understand if he knew. So that's kind of like the lead up to what's about to happen. <laughs> so strange. Which, yeah, which is very strange. <laughs> So, <laughs> she hatches this insane plan to get the key back. Apparently, she has connections with the seedy underbelly of their middle-class neighborhood, despite being only 14 and having no friends. I mean, I guess you just kind of know. You hear about people well, in the school I that... Guess. So, apparently, there's this, like, student that's, like, 18, but he's maybe older than 18 because he's been held back a bunch. Mm. I don't know. I guess the whole school knows about him. His name is Biff. His name so is Biff. We know. Yeah. Like if you, You're not named if Biff. If you need some unless... kind of like CD deal, you find a Biff. <laughs> is there anyone named Biff here? I need to do a CD deal. <laughs> so she finds him and the whole exchange between them is fucking hilarious it's... because it's just so ridiculous that she's acting all like tough girl. And I'm like, you are 14. <laughs> like, I might believe it if you were 17 but I, just, I don't believe for a second that the 14-year-old's, like, using street slang and stuff like that. I just kind of chalk it up to her being a very imaginative kid. She's just an imaginative kid. I mean, like... So she's essentially, like, LARPing as this cool chick <laughs> that, does, that does dark deals in the, in the back alleyway. Hey, I mean, she's got the strange man in her shed from yeah. another world, so... I just... The whole <laughs> conversation is just so unbelievable. Anyway, she, she says that she wants to, quote-unquote, deal... If he finds this item for her and she describes the key, he does, in fact, find it. Yes. And the deal is that they play a game of her choosing mm -hmm. in their hideout in front of all his thug friends. Yes. If she wins, she gets the key. If she loses, she gets to be his love slave for a week. A whole week. A whole week. Yeah. <laughs> I think she tried to be like one night and he was like, no, a week. And so she was like, okay. So, so if she doesn't believe Darius, why would you go through all that trouble to get that back? To make him happy? Or maybe she'd like, in the or corner of her mind, she's like. Or is it just to prove, like, like, this is either going to yeah, prove maybe. that he's telling the truth or that he's insane and he needs to go. Well, 
I don't remember if it's now or later, but she she does say that she is not sure she wants the illusion shattered. Right. Like, so she doesn't know that she wants to know the truth. But there's probably also, and I'm pretty sure they don't say this, but I'm just filling it in. There's probably also that, like, you know, what if, like, that you can't leave hanging. Yeah. You kind of have to. But a week as someone's sex slave, it's not yeah. worth it. Well, that's why she, like, left him all the stuff, and she's like, I may not be back for a while. <laughs> Oh just so you know uh <laughs> but she had resigned herself to do it they also make hints at uh her having some similar trauma in the past yes we we'll get to that later because i don't think they yeah. talk about it yet no all right so she goes through with this but she decides that if she's going to do it she wants to have sex with darius first because she's like if i'm going to be a love slave to this thug guy I want to, you know, have a nice romantic <laughs> evening with Darius, but he won't do it. No, he won't. He's like, oh, a man of sweet. honor. I'm a man of honor. And like, it's a, improper to sleep with someone of your age. And so they don't do it. No, they don't. They don't. So the day of the deal comes. Colleen is taken to the hideout of the town thugs. She's decided that her game is to see who can bleed the most before passing out. <laughs> Did you think that's, well... I when have you were, no idea. Okay. I did not think that. Of course I wasn't thinking that. I did not think that's where it was going to go because part of the game too is that they both have to strip yeah. down. Sure. Yeah. And she liked it. She liked stripping yeah. in front of these men. Yeah. She's got, you've got an illustrious uh, career <laughs> of a stripper ahead of you, Colleen. Oh, like I said, thrill seeking. Yeah. Um, but she I mean, recognizes it yeah. in herself. So I guess that's something. Why she's still, I don't know. I mean, uh, that's but, part of why I really like Colleen, despite all her flaws, is that she she seems very self-aware. She is. She's like, I'm screwed up and I know it. <laughs> but you know what? For some reason, I like stripping in front of these old men. I don't know why. Maybe but it's it empowering to her. Yeah. So. It, she feel, she did feel empowered for some reason. I so would there not. You go. But, you know, I, there it, are obviously people out there like yeah. that. Um, so, but, yes, the whole uh, bloodletting contest did not... <laughs> Yeah. But you know, she's had more experience at it than I, Biff probably has. I guess. I guess, but not with like a razor. Like she she'd been using like the compass point the the point of a compass. Yeah. Which I'm pretty sure they don't even have compasses like that anymore in schools. Mm. Do they? With the sharp point? I don't know. I don't think they do. I would think they wouldn't these Okay, days. so dumb me. When when she's talking about a compass, I'm not thinking about the compass at school. Oh no! It's the one. Yeah, yeah. it's the one. With I the thought point she that you carried to, like, a compass it. with her, like an old antique compass oh. that had like some like <laughs> decorative <laughs> sharp points. I'm like, so this girl is no is carrying this it's antique the one that compass. you like unfold yes. and you stab one into yeah. the paper and then you draw it. Yeah. <laughs> oh my I was goodness! Like, she's going on some fantastical adventure. She carries compasses. <laughs> That's <with> hilarious. Her. <laughs> I'm now I'm imagining the first scene of her in the I'm school like, bathroom with a fucking compass. <laughs> Like, like directioning herself with it, like my God, that has got to hurt. <laughs> and is it sanitary? I don't know. I'm sure her regular, her actual compass is not sanitary either. But <sighs> okay, anyway, whatever. So, she, so, she, yeah. she she wins. She does have to cut herself because Biff's like you're bluffing. So she has to cut herself. Um, and as soon as he sees the blood, he's like, "Uh, you're crazy. <laughs> never mind. Uh, Here you never go. mind. This is stupid. I'm out." <laughs> Because it is stupid. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> However, all the thugs are super impressed with her. Yeah, that's hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, man, girl. <laughs> You're on my team. <laughs> so 
she gets dressed, gets bandaged, and uh, a guy named Slick drives her home, and he's like, you ever need anything, kid? You can find Slick. <laughs> and I'm like, all right. This is so unrealistic, but okay. okay. Well, she Men mentioned, like, honor, honor in the criminal world. She did so. mention the honor among yeah. thieves thing, but I don't know if that actually exists. I'm just saying. I don't either. I'm pretty sad. I'm, I'm not the thrill-seeking type no. to try to find that out. Nope. So she does this. She got the key. She returns to Darius. He's overjoyed that they can now go to his reality. Unfortunately, this is where it comes crashing down for Colleen because now she has to admit that she thinks Darius is totally deluded. Yes. And she doesn't think his world exists. Uh-huh. And she's afraid that once this happens, her whole fantasy will be shattered. But so like the, the key that she has is like this big coin type of thing, right? Am I reading into that right? Because I thought the compass was a different compass. I mean, here's the thing. I actually don't. Slug. Yeah, but what's a slug? Well, isn't it like a big round coin? I, thing like the only there? thing I knew is like a slug is like a bullet. Because they kept t- talking about a slug. And I'm like, what the fuck is a slug? I kept thinking of a bullet, which is like a shotgun bullet. But it's not that big. But it is round. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. They okay. mentioned it looking like, like a coin, though. But so if she looked at that and saw that it had weird... That doesn't mean writing anything. Writing something. Come on. You could buy that at, like a, <laughs> at a role-playing store. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, this is the early 90s. They still had that stuff. <laughs> That's true. She doesn't look at it and think, oh, it might be real. real. No. No. Whatever. She's probably just thinking, wow, this guy is really deluded because he carries this thing around with him. I mean, he really <laughs> believes it. Well, so Darius hopes that explaining... Mode travel in detail will convince Colleen that she's not crazy. So they have the longest conversation ever. My God. Where they compare I... it to like 1990s computers, which is hilarious. Because when they're talking about like 486s, I'm like, wow, 486s is nothing compared to what we have now. See, uh, I could not follow this at all. I'm just like, just get through it, Emma. There's all these numbers. I just remember just my 486 computer my, was like. I don't know what any of that means. I have no idea what any of that means. It's old and slow okay <laughs> that's all you need to know and they're talking about how like it could hold so much information and i think they even talk about like the megabytes when they do but but the now we're like in fucking terabytes so <laughs> it's very very dated conversation anyway it doesn't matter they if you're into technical stuff you'd be loving this because they have a super technical conversation about computers and comparing it to the alternate realities and that kind of stuff they discuss with what we call the virtual mode, which unlike what Darius did where he jumped from point A to point B, the virtual mode is where you open it up in one long path. Okay. And I imagine it to be like a ladder. So maybe we'll wait until they actually yeah. like travel to it yeah. to describe it a little bit more, but they sort of talk about it here. But that's where the term virtual mode comes from. Colleen coins it. Then... Colleen reveals that she is, in fact, depressive. Something you better know about me, Darius, before you marry me. I'm not happy. I'm suicidal. He was astonished. You seek to destroy yourself? I cannot believe. Believe it. She began unwinding the bandage on her arm. I slice my wrists and watch the blood. Someday I'll get up the courage to go all the way and then I'll be free. She showed the inner padding soaked in blood. See this? This is how I got your key back for you. I challenged the punk who had it to a bleeding contest. He thought I was bluffing, but it wasn't. Freaked him out, so I won. 
If I had lost, I'd either be dead or as good as dead, paying off my bet. You are depressed, he explained, horrified. You bet. I think the only time I've ever been happy this year is when I've been with you, so I guess I'm crazy too. It's been fun dreaming about being in your world with this magic and loving you, and I guess I do love you, but I don't believe you. It's my misfortune to be too firmly grounded in reality, and I don't mean your kind. Oh, Colleen, this is terrible, he cried. Why? Because it means I can't marry you. Well, if you get treatment and get cured... Not so. If I take you to my reality where joy can be transferred, you would have no joy to give me. You have the opposite. That makes it impossible. You're changing your mind? She asked. Her feelings were horribly mixed. She wanted to love him and have him love her, but she knew that marriage between them was always an impossible dream. Now that she had his key and his fantasy world would soon be dashed, it was time to end it. But how now she wished this sweet interlude could have lasted forever. Colleen, I love you, and I want nothing more than to bring you home and marry you, but that would destroy us both. I was willing to take you as long as there was a reasonable chance of it being right, but now I know there is not. I blinded my mind to one of the major possibilities of your availability, and that was my folly. My mission has failed. The kindest thing I could do for you is to leave you behind. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I know that she's depressed and she has, like, inner feelings. And maybe it has something to do with the way his magic works, that it would sense it. But if she's happy with him... Right. Then... Wouldn't that be enough? I think that would be enough. I think it would. Unless the magic knows to just pull from whatever's deep down. Unless it's something like, okay, if she gets depleted and then she's sitting in unhappiness, is it going to be an unhappiness that she can't bear? And then she's going to kill herself that way? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I was kind of like, uh, don't you still want to just try? Try it? Yeah, just try Let's it. Let's just try it and see. Yeah, just try and see. So, but whatever. No, he's he's pretty much like, nope, I guess this is it. <laughs> Goodbye. I love you. Colleen takes this to mean that Darius knows that his key won't work and that he's now like <laughs> using it as an excuse. He's like, oh crap. Uh, now I got to like yeah. <laughs> get out of this. So they have a tearful farewell and it's actually kind of like weirdly robotic. They're like, guess this is it. Yep. yep this yeah. is it. <laughs> Uh, it was nice knowing you. Yep, nice knowing you too. <laughs> All right, goodbye. 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 <laughs> and then Darius lifts the key to his forehead and he disappears. And she's like, well, she doesn't say anything, but now she knew that she should have believed. Yep. She should have gone with him to his magic reality. Her disbelief had cost her everything. You foolish you girl! Fool. <laughs> well, she's not the only fool because chapter four is called Virtual Mode. Darius is back home. We get the first description of his world, which is really pretty. Yeah. It's they talk about how the entire ground of his world is covered in crystals. Mm -hmm. So nobody can walk on it. So since it's unpassable, I don't know why they can't like destroy the crystals and make a path. But instead, they have this like complicated system of floating disks. And they use conjuration magic to get from one to the other. Yes. So cool, I guess. Yeah. That's it's pretty neat. cool. And, you know, they describe pretty much the scene that we see on the cover. But they also mentioned that their oh, yeah. trees have black leaves, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, and don't they, like, soak up? What do they do? Absorb the light or yeah. something? And all the crystals, like, refract the light and everything looks pretty and shiny and beautiful. Amazing. I mean, I guess I'd want to live there for that. <laughs> but, but not to be a servant to a man. <laughs> anyway. So Darius returns to the King of Power, who asks him why he returns alone. Darius explains he found a girl to love, but that she's depressive. King of Power tells him that, um, you idiot. <laughs> right. 
the reason the chip tuned on her was because she was slated to die. So what do you think is going to happen now? And he's like, oh, my God, she's going to kill herself. He's like, well, maybe our chance encounter will give her a new outlook on life. And he's like, you're a fool. (laughs) He's like, you fool. (laughs) You've left her alone. (laughs) So now he's crushed and he wants to get back to Colleen. But he can't go the way he went before because the chip attunes to a reality, but it can't. It's kind of like a random algorithm based on search results, sort of. <laughs> so it can't target the exact same one again. Okay. Because there's an infinite number. Yes. So the only way for him to get back is to go on the virtual mode, which, as we learned, instead of having, like, instead of being, like, point A and point B, it's got five points. Right. And you have to travel through them manually. Yes. Essentially. So it could be a short distance. It could be a long distance. You don't really know. But in order to do it, he's got to convince the previous King of Laughter to take his place because not only do they not know how long he's going to be gone, but King of Power is pretty much convinced he's not going to Not coming back. Because yeah. nobody has returned before. Yes. Which I'd be like, uh... Doesn't sound promising. I'd be like, uh, never maybe, mind. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe I shouldn't go. <laughs> Seems like a bad idea. So he visits the previous king of laughter. His name is Kublai. He's retired and married to some young, pretty thing that's got no point at all. Um, he agrees to take his place. Kublai agrees to take Darius's place on one condition, that he search for a woman that he once knew named Prima, mm-hmm. who is one of the only women that, in, that they have come across that has the equal skill of the king of laughter. Right. Like she still, she has the multiplication skill that they do, and it's very rare in women yes. to have this. She wanted to be king herself, but they wouldn't let her because sexism. They wouldn't let her. Because sexism. That's the only well, time it actually, like, was there is point, relevant to bring up. Was there a point in the book, too, where it's kind of like maybe their society doesn't allow for women to gain those skills? Oh, to gain them in the first place? Yeah. It's possible. They, they might have like, said that. I feel like that was touched on. Maybe not. I felt like the the multiplication ability is something that's more like, like innate and born. Innate. You're born with? Yeah. Oh, okay. I feel like it's something that you're born with rather than trained to do. Okay. Because they talk about how Darius is the only one with that skill, and if it were like trainable, you would think they'd be constantly training people. Well, <laughs> maybe it's not that commonplace in men and more commonplace in women. Maybe, they just don't but they never train the women. <laughs> well, no. I mean, I I think it's. Something that you're born with. Okay. And so it was rare that Prima was a woman that was born with a skill. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kublai is like, well, I could serve infinitely with her as my companion because she would never get depleted because she could multiply the same as me. Mm-hmm. So, but she, uh, well, Prima went out to the virtual mode to find a less sexist place to live. And I'm like, damn, girl, <laughs> I feel you. So, but she never returned. So he wants Darius to be on the lookout for her as he goes through this. And he also wants to, like, learn just more information about how the modes work in general. Okay. So real quick. Sorry. Sure. Because I was just... So Kublai does mention that it may be that women would be as capable as men. They're just not encouraged in their culture. Oh. Boo. Well, at least they don't kill the women. Oh, Okay. (laughs) Let's give them a gold medal for not killing women. But, you know, they force the really powerful ones to leave and find other realities. I I guess you could say that the 
rampant sexism in this book is due to their like cultural differences, but I just don't. Maybe Pierce Anthony was just speaking in terms of reality. Maybe he's well, just trying to bring awareness. So it's confusing to me, okay? Because on the one hand, we have two very powerful, strong female main characters yes. in Colleen and Prima, yes. who are both women that are smart, capable, don't need no man. Yes. Like, and so I'm like, this is great. But then he just laces it, laces all this sexism into conversation in just like stupid ways that I'm just like, I I feel so confused about how I feel about it. <laughs> because on the one hand, I'm like, maybe he is trying to point out the point out the wrongness of it. And he does. Like he obviously in this conversation, they're pointing out the wrongness of it. But they don't have any plans to change it. No. <laughs> It's just accepted. And the whole just like talking about women's appearance all the time. I think that's just him being a dirty old man. (laughs) That's just Piers Anthony probably looks at women and thinks about their boobs. Yes, he does. And it's hard to ignore. (laughs) But whatever. I I mean, it's, it's, it's complicated how I feel about the sexism because Colleen and Prima are both amazing female characters. Right. It's just they're overshadowed by this. Stuff. The stuff. <laughs> yes. Okay. That's that's all I'm gonna say about okay. it. Um. While the virtual mode is being set up, Darius has to resume his post as king, and this is where we get a look on how the process actually happens. Yes. Did you find this interesting? Um. I thought it was weird, but I mean, it. it yeah, I guess it's interesting. It was. I found the whole description of like there's deciding how that works more interesting rather than the actual feat of it. When it was was described, I'm like, yeah. Yep. I mean, mean, it's pretty straightforward because we've already kind of heard it. The only new information you get here is the whole like intimacy part with the wife because Darius doesn't have a wife. So he has to borrow Kublai's wife and she wants to do it because she's, she's convinced that, you know, she'll stay as Kublai's wife when he takes the post. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, no, nah, you don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. So he takes her against his will, really. Like, Kublai kind of is like, no, nah, you're doing this. And he's like, this isn't cool, bro. But he does it anyway. And he uses... Her name is Corin, by the way. He uses her as the emotional transfer. We learn that the transfer process is really intimate. They also make a comment about how, like... <sighs> It's it's more powerful if you have sex the night before. And I'm like, right. really? Yes. Really? I'm like, uh, why? But they don't explain that in detail. They're just like, oh, this that's part of the reason why it's got to be a woman because we got to have sex beforehand. And I'm like, ugh, whatever. It, it somehow enables the multipl- multiplication. Okay. <laughs> sure. Sure. Why not explain that? Sure. Piers Anthony, that's you've gone just, into so much detail this, about other things. Why wouldn't you explain that part? That's just his uh, own personal fantasy. He would love to live in a world where he has to have sex the night before doing his job in order to do it properly. I mean, what man wouldn't, really? It's like, sorry, boss. I can't. I got to have sex first. Yeah. I mean. I, I didn't have sex last night. My wife wasn't up to it, so I can't really come in today. It would be more like, my job. Hey, hey, wifey, I don't care if you're not in the mood because I got to be able to do my job tomorrow. So yeah. it's your do duty. Do you want me to lose my job? Do come you want me now. to lose my job? We, oh, we got to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's really stupid. <laughs> Whatever. So Corin goes through with this. And now... But she doesn't sleep with him. No, no, no. No, no. He uses 
one of his servants yeah. or something. Which I guess helps, but not as much as if it were the person he was pulling from. I yeah. don't know. I'm probably filling in a lot of this because. No, I think it. Yeah. Maybe. So, yeah, he has sex with his, like, serving girl. And then he takes Corin on the tour. And so, basically, they travel around to different towns. He, in order to, like, do the process, he has to, like, embrace her. And then he pulls from her. And they talk about, like, the fraction of, like, joy she loses compared to what she gets back. And, like... It's very detailed. It is very detailed. It's it's kind of cool and kind of interesting. But essentially, when the process is over, she doesn't feel as good as she did when she started because... Right. And even though she's getting some of the joy that he's giving off to the multitude, it's get not as the much. same amount as mm-hmm. if she had had her own joy from the beginning. Right. So obviously she leaves this feeling pretty terrible. Oh yeah, um, she hates him. Yeah, she hates, hates him. him. And he's like, well, it's better if she hates me than her husband. That's true. And I'm like, well, yeah, I guess. So that happens. And uh, finally, the chip for the virtual mode is ready. Darius returns to the king of power. He explains that there will be invisible lines that are sent out to five points and each one of those is an anchor the five points is an anchor and colleen has to accept the line in order to get on it yeah otherwise someone else could pick it up right so there is that chance chapter five is called securo securo so sad you don't like securo look maybe i just need more time with him i don't know (laughs) (laughs) the horse (laughs) is it just because you don't like horses it's not that I don't like horses. I just don't understand. And I'm I'm actually going to, like, search for some articles or... About why girls like horses? <laughs> yes. I mean, I'm what, not a horse girl. What but, the connection is with horses, I but don't... But I have a connection with animals in general, and well, so I guess yeah, I wouldn't like, care what the animal But for me, was. it's more of, like, it's got to... I want something that I can cuddle. She hugs him a bunch. <laughs> you can't cuddle. She pats him. No. She like a little mouse him. or a cat. Horses are like muscle. They're all muscle. She does explain her rationale for liking horses, though. I know, and I still couldn't like. <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. Okay. So, at the beginning of chapter five, Colleen has now realized that Darius was, in fact, telling the truth. She's super distressed, clearly. Very. She writes a really cryptic journal entry to her favorite make believe horse pen pal. Marzy Dotes. Marzy Dotes. I love that. Marzy Dotes and Dozy Dotes and Little Lambs Eat Ivy. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so this is where I feel like she's fourteen years old. <laughs> yes, no, she went, and that's what my notes say. So she wallows in her misery and she makes this elaborate plan for her suicide, much like I think a fourteen-year-old girl might imagine it. She wants it to be like beautiful and haunting, <laughs> and so everything mo- has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. So literally, the first like third of the chapters, her going through her like plan yes. for suicide. I mean, it's got to be you know a nice, beautiful, like sharp knife. Yeah, doesn't want any. She doesn't want it to be a jagged cut. It's got to go clean. clean, and she wants it to like fall into a basin. And she has like this plan that she's going to keep emptying the basin out. And I'm like, girl, really? No, you're not. <laughs> and then she's gonna have she's gonna have like mementos yeah, like, she, scattered around, yep. like a a corsage or something, yep. that- like from her prom or <laughs> yeah. something. Not a prom, I guess she's 14 but and it's white because she was thinking about how elegant it would look to have a white flower yep. floating on a red background yeah she like, wants to put the flower in oh her God, basin of blood God. yeah she just goes through all of this it's it's yes a 14 year old girl's dream I, think. I i mean you know as disturbing as it's very interesting to, to see her take on things as far as like yes. how everything has to be significant mm-hmm. and meaningful and beautiful yep well unfortunately as she kind of goes along with it not everything is perfect 
No. Because of various reasons. And yes. she hesitates, giving herself, pretty much giving herself excuses not to go through with it. Because she's like, oh, well, this didn't go right, right and this didn't go right. So maybe I'll just sleep and wait till morning. Well, and she also has a talk in her head with Mayor's. Yep. That's when she falls. She, so she falls asleep and she's like, I'll just do it the next day. And this is when her uh, BFF horse friend, like, basically calls her a wimp. Like, her horse friend is not encouraging. No. Like, herself in this dream that she has is like, oh, maybe I don't really want to die. And Marzi is like, maybe you're just a wimp. And maybe, maybe you've got no one that loves you. And maybe you should just die. And so I'm like, damn, what kind of friend is this? <laughs> Marzi is kind of a bee. So Marzi convinces her to do it because she was trying oh, yeah. to talk herself out of it. Yeah. When she wakes, she s- finds that she's still unable to go through with it. And she considers herself a failure because she tries again. She can't do it. She and can't she do it. just starts sobbing and she's like, I failed. And then that's when she hears the voice of Darius in her head. <gasps> Colleen, wait for me. She snapped out of her drift. Time had passed, maybe a little, maybe a lot. She must have nodded off and dreamed, yet something had changed. She felt a certain imperative, or potential, or something. Take hold. It was Darius. It was no dream. Maybe she was crazy, but she was ready to go for it. If it was to be a 1% romance 15 years down the line, so be it. But it was 100% now, and now is what counted. She would give him everything immediately before the joy of it could fade. She reached out with her mind and took hold. She felt something settle into place. That was all. But she knew reality had changed. It was a virtual mode, a ramp spanning the realities from his to hers. Darius was coming for her. If he was crazy, she would be crazy too, gloriously crazy in love. But what now of the futility of romance? She didn't care. She was going for it. Because while she was orientating on love, she wasn't orientating on death. She got up and looked around. Nothing had changed physically, but this was here in her reality. It would be different in Darius's reality. But how was she to get from here to there? Well, if this was a true virtual mode, all she had to do was walk there. She would be at one end and he at the other. It would be easy enough to cross the ramp to join him. Why wait for him to come to her? She had wanted to depart this life and now she could do it without killing herself. She would meet him halfway. So I think it's kind of cool that like, the line that they mentioned is just like a, a brain thing. Like, you just feel it, and you... But how do you know? Well, somehow he was able to talk in her head, and they didn't mention that before. Yeah, that's true. They didn't mention that before. She grabs hold. How do you, like, how do you grab hold of it? She just... I mean, How, what does that feel like? That, well, was, that was my frustration with this. And I, and I just chalk it up to my limited imagination. I'm like, what does that feel like? How would you grab hold of that? Is it a line? Um, because the only way that I could really understand the virtual mode was a ramp. I loved her description of a ramp, and that's the only thing I could stick with throughout the whole journey. I'm like, it's like a ramp, but it's a line, because she, her point has to be one of the anchors. Yeah. I mean, she, it just Ooh. says she reaches out with her mind and takes hold, and it. she felt something settle into place. What? It's just what? a brain thing. You just feel it. <laughs> okay. I don't know. They, I mean, they probably don't explain it because you can't, because it's just like a, I know. a mental thing. It's, it's out there. It's out there. It's done. So she packs some supplies and rides her bike down the road, feeling a strange attunement to the proper direction. So she knows which direction she -hmm. needs to go in. And this is when they kind of like describe it as being like a ladder, which makes sense to me. Yes. Because 
you've got like your vertical line, which is the one she's riding down from point A to all the other five anchors. But then each reality is a slice that goes horizontally. Right. Um, and they mentioned that it's what, three paces between each? Yes. So it's kind of like she's a line in the middle of rungs of a ladder. So she could walk horizontally and stay in the same reality, but three paces forward and she's in the next one. one. Until you get to an anchor. But and I think they mentioned too that the that the line, the virtual mode, is like 10 feet wide. Yeah, yeah. something like that. So it's kind of cool. It's like, I mean, they also describe it as being like slices of mica, but yes, you know, just tiny little slices of reality. Yeah, I'm like, thank you for those visual aids. Because yes. Sometimes I can't figure out what's going well, on. I mean, it's a complicated <laughs> topic. It's not anything we've ever dealt with before. When, while she's going, like, she doesn't really know when she's crossed over to the next reality because everything kind of looks the same to her at first. And it's not until she notices that the color of the street lights start changing yeah. that she's like, oh, this must be something new because it, it changes to like blue. And then they talk about the red light changing to like orange. orange and, yeah. you know, eventually things start looking different. And then <laughs> telepathic dogs happen. <laughs> Strange. So she knows she's not at home anymore. She has like a dog that like reaches out of a limousine and is like, human, get back to obedience school. And she's like, oh God, what? where am I? So then a talking tiger attempts to attack her in another reality. And she realizes that inhabitants from realities do not cross over from slice to slice. So the tiger that's trying to attack her in one, if she steps forward, forward. three paces, it's gone. Right. So that's a pretty good way. Thank to, God. To get away from uh, <laughs> yeah. danger. But it doesn't quite work when she comes across a hostile lumberjack bear. <laughs> a, a bear lumberjack, and he's blocking the path that she needs to go forward. Right. So she steps back, unsure of what to do, into the previous mode, and she just helplessly thinks, help me. And that's when a voice appears in her mind. Are you from afar? There was another thought, faint but clear. Was it a tiger or a bear? It felt friendly, but that could be deceptive. Should she answer? Why not? She was in trouble anyway. Maybe this represented some kind of help. Yes, she thought as hard as she could. Are you in distress? Yes. Are you human? Yes, I am Colleen, a human girl. Come to me. I need a companion. So did she. But if this was a tiger trying to lure her in, she would be a fool to go. Also a fool to pass up a potential friend. Who are you? I am Sekiro. Please come quickly. This mental contact across realities represents a strain. Across realities? That didn't sound like a tiger. She would risk it. How can I find you? I am on your path. I have felt your approach. Come to my reality and follow my mind to my stall. This is where she meets... A talking horse. A, a, a telepathic, telepathic horse. Who I love and Emma hates. I just... Okay... I'm not right even the now, one that likes talking horses or talking animals. You don't like talking animals. I don't, but this one's different. And you feel like it's different at this point? Yeah. So far, what I've read, I'm just kind of like, meh, it's a horse. Meh, it's but a Cody horse. But loves him. Why does she love him? He's given her no reason to love him, other than the fact that he's a horse. Okay, well, hang on. Let's just keep going. Okay. She follows uh, Sakira's directions through, like, a primitive hamlet. Filled with horse stalls and various humans working. Hamlet. I forgot about that word. Hamlet. Um, at this point, she didn't know he was a horse. But when she finds out he's a telepathic horse, she is, like, overjoyed. Because she oh, loves yeah. horses. Yes, yeah, she does. She does. Um, I liked some of the words that they use where, like, as soon as she sees him, it says, something like instant love blossomed in her heart. What is that? Because she loves horses. 
She loves. Listen, you may not okay. love horses, but okay. she does. So let me let me just ask: Had it been any horse, would she have felt the same love? Is there anything unique about him? I mean, other than the fact that he says he wants a companion, and she also wants a companion, and so they're why does she trust him? A need. Why does she trust him? I don't know. She's thrill seeking. Who knows? I would like. Is that one of the things she said? That she girls... felt that it it was his mind was friendly, so All maybe right. it's just a mental knowing. Okay. She also said something like, he smelled wonderfully horsey. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I guess I just so, love him because she loves him so much. So when Piers Anthony is writing this, how is he channeling? I'm um, wondering, like, did he, does well, he have any daughters? Did yes, he, okay. he's, got, he's got two daughters, I think, and they live on a farm. Okay. So I have right. a feeling this is coming from one of his daughters yeah. probably being really into She's horses like, or something. I love the way horses smell. They, they just smell, smell so wonderfully horsey. horsey. I just, I feel the love that she feels, I guess. And so, yeah, at the end, she's like, can I hug you? And can I cry on you? And she's like, I like horses. And he's like, I like girls. And then that was that was it. I, it's, it's funny because they go through this meeting where she hugs him and she cries on him. And she says she likes horses. And he's like, I like girls. And it ends with, that seemed to cover the situation. <laughs> and I'm like, they're just happy to find each other, Emma. Just be happy for them. All God. right, I'll be happy for them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's the end of that chapter. Uh, Colleen meets her best friend horse. That she's known for like two minutes. Doesn't matter. They could feel each other's minds, Emma. Maybe that's the problem. I can't <laughs> understand this telepathic, what comes along with this telepathic connection. Maybe. But I mean, like, she, I guess the dog, there was going to be no connection with the telepathic dog because she didn't feel anything. Yeah. Or the tiger. Well, well, no, the tiger, tiger wasn't friendly. No, no. the bear. But also, wasn't she's either. not a dog person. She's a horse person. If you found a telepathic cat that felt friendly to you and was like, "I like girls," you'd be so excited. Cats are your animal, and uh, mice are, are my hers. animals. Okay, fine, mouse. Because of the mouse. You'd maybe. be so excited. Okay, maybe. I Imagine would. it's a mouse like for her. So mousy. Yes. <laughs> I'm just saying. Okay. All right. Chapter six is called Prima. Back with Darius. He is now also discovering the intricacies of the modes. Um, this is where we learn that it's three paces long, but whatever, I already told you. We also learn that no items from other modes can be carried across unless it's an anchor mode, and that includes food and water. So you have to digest your food and water that you eat from the mode you're in before you can take it with you to the next one. Right. So... He has learned, to assimilate yeah, into your body into before your body. you can, Otherwise Unfortunately, it gets ripped out. And they, they definitely learn this later, but it's fine to say it now, is that, like, eventually we also learn that if you drink and eat too much from one mode, you become a part of that mode. Right. And you can no longer attune to your own. Yeah. So, scary. It's like Yikes. fairy food. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's true. Anyway, so Darius heads out. He notices various changes in landscapes and animals. But then suddenly he's caught in a net. He cuts himself free using the sword he brought. Unfortunately, um, he's descended upon by a huge dragon. Mm -hmm. He tries to use his conjuration magic, but magic does not work, work here. Nope. We eventually learn that like dragons are in charge here, and this is like a sentient dragon land. <laughs> and they have a they show up and they herd him to a collection of cages. Now, so at this point, how far off the has he gotten off the the ramp? Yeah, but they don't mention how far. Okay. I don't think they do. But yeah, he's definitely, once you move horizontally, you move off of it. And it becomes clear to him as they're leading him horizontally that they know that he's on a mode. 
and yeah. which makes me wonder, like, how often are people doing this? I w- I thought that it would happen pretty rarely. I would think so too. That that, but if we're talking about infinite, well, we'll get there later. Yeah, infinite. I guess plenty of them could. Yeah. Uh. So it's not just that, like, oh, there aren't enough realities in which they have this kind of capability, but no. they're infinite realities well, of his mode. But it's not, and, yeah, but it's not even just his because, like, they're, as he's walking through the cages, he notices, like, exotic birds and, like, yeah. other creatures that clearly don't belong in this mode, so those exotic birds yeah, somehow birds. know how to do yeah. it. Well, they could be sentient birds just like the sentient dragons. And dragons live a long time, so maybe they've just been maybe. holding out. So anyway, yeah, we learn that they know about the modes and they have been capturing creatures from their traveling through the realities. So they put him in a cage. Not long after, the dragon returns with a human woman. The woman is tasked with communicating with Darius and she asks him to pretend that they don't understand each other. Mm -hmm. But they do. They do. They do. She reveals that the dragons have hunted all prey into extinction and so they want to learn the secret of the modes so that they can get new prey, but... In the meantime, they plan to breed these two. Right. <laughs> so that they could have human babies to, like, hunt, hunt and kill. I guess. <laughs> so, you know. The woman also reveals herself to be Prima, which, duh, because the chapter's perfect. called Prima. Yeah. <laughs> it's perfect. It's perfect. Um, she manages to give him back most of the items in his pack that don't look dangerous, and that includes the matches that she took from Colleen, that he took from Colleen at the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So he's he communicates to her that this could be a weapon. If they plan to escape, they could use these. Right. Uh, but he shows that they're kind of, like, harmless. He, like, yeah. uses them to pick his teeth. Yeah, so the dragons so, don't so, suspect. Yeah. But, I mean, Prima doesn't even know what they do. Yeah. So, because those, those, they don't have matches in his world. Yeah. So they can just make fire. Yeah. With matches. Anyway, so he and Prima make plans for her to visit him in his cage at night to procreate, but really, they're going to have a plan to escape. escape. So later that night, Prima comes in. I'm not going to read <laughs> the, the angry comment I made there. Uh, well, what, what did you say? I want to know. Stupid sexist comment about Prima not being attracted enough to seduce, to seduce because she's old. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she is an old lady. Yeah, she's 40. But back then, in the in the early '90s, forty was like eighty years to old. To a fourteen-year-old, as as a fourteen-year-old reading this, I probably thought forty was ancient, and so I probably understood. I was like, "Yeah, yeah who would like, want to sleep with a forty-year-old?" If Darius is like twenty something, yeah, so cougar. No, I'm saying like if he's twenty <laughs> yeah. something, forty. Well, they never say that. how old he is, so yeah. he could be eighteen for all we know. I don't think he is. I don't know. I hope he's not much older than like twenty-two, but. Whatever. Either way, it's... Whatever. Yeah. Prima's old, and who would ever want to sleep with an old lady? But, you know, she's smart. She's he, super smart. He talks about her being intelligent. And, yeah. And then also talks about her boobs. Accomplished. So. and <laughs> Once again, don't get off on that tangent, Allison. <laughs> so their plan is to use his matches to set a fire in the cage. When the dragon opens the cage to release them, they leap out and run for the mode crossing line, um, making sure that they stay in physical contact. Right. That was... That was a hard part for me to really yeah. grasp. Yeah. I don't think they explain it yet. No. And I'm pretty sure I didn't explain it in my notes either because we'll get there. Hang on. Um, so the plan does work. They manage to escape the dragon captors using their fire plan. And they run off into another mode. They decide to find a tree to hide in for the night. And that's kind of when they have the conversation 
And it's once again, it's a really long technical conversation. Yeah, this is this is one of those points where I felt like the book was a textbook, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yep. How can I remember all these like principles yeah. and rules of these things? I mean, I sort of remember it. I mean, this is where we learn about the uh, assimilation into the mode if you take too much of their substance. Right. So Prima now has been there for 20 years. So she's part of the dragon mode. Yes. So she would not, she's afraid that if Darius lets go of her, she will snap back to that mode. She doesn't know that that's what's going to happen. Right. But she, they don't want to take any chances. Right. So and she feels like, and she made some reference to it, like, like if it's a ramp, the dragon mode is lower from his mode. So if they did let go, she would be pulled down. That she yeah. would never be able to climb up and make it up to his mode. Right. Cool. I, so they have to be in constant contact with each other? Yeah. And I guess he can carry her because she is from his mode. I don't know. But she's not from his... But she's not an exact match. No, that's the other thing. Is that they talk about how there's an infinite number of modes with an infinite number of Dariuses setting out on the same quest. And so that the... Chances of her being the exact prima from his mode is very, very unlikely. Yeah. And there, he has like a moment of like, oh my God. But like, she's like, does it really matter? Like, I'm the same. I know you. I'm pretty much the same. And he's like, but what about the real prima? She's waiting for me. And he's like, yeah, but I'm waiting for you. Yeah. There's probably another Darius that's going to come along. Yeah. So would it matter to you? Let's say if Barnabas, your cat. (sighs) If he acted exactly the same, I don't know. There's probably, I would probably feel slightly the same as Darius, how there would be that feeling in the back of my head, like, but my Barnabas is still alone. But no, maybe another Allison. I would hope so. I just would just hope my Barnabas would get saved. (laughs) But the current Barnabas needs to be saved. That's a complicated thing. It is very Eventually he has to just accept it. Yeah, he does. I mean, well, what could you do about it? You can't do anything about it, really. Yeah, but can. it makes me worried about if he does find Colleen, is it going to be the right Colleen? Would it matter? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> it's it's pretty complicated. <laughs> Lots of technical stuff. Hey, we've been saying this in every child book we read that we want more details on oh how my things gosh, function. And yeah. now, now we've got like, them. Now I'm like, I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> now you have too many details. Yikes. So, basically, they travel together, they talk a lot, and they finally reach Darius's mode. Mm-hmm. End of chapter. Once Ooh. again, I am brushing the surface yes, of everything that's happening. Yes, you are. That's okay, though. The last chapter we're going to read today is chapter 7, and it's called Understanding. So, Colleen is with Sekiro, who already knows all about the virtual mode. He already knew it existed. He, How? He says that he, that previous travelers have come through and he can read their minds how is he able to do that he's just a special horse well the, all the horses in his mind yeah but he, i think he did mention too that he's oh that he's one of the only few that can read like the mind of humans or something like like that. travelers or he he can he can he can sense the presence of yeah from across the mode yeah but only i don't think other horses distance. could do that yeah he's got some kind of special ability to read across modes whatever he's okay. a magic horse <laughs> okay. so he he wants to leave his current situation because he's basically bored. He doesn't really like what they got going on there, which is basically like humans are their slaves and they just, I don't know, what do they do all day? Like, he's bored. He wants to go on an adventure. Yeah. And so he'd been looking for the right companion through all these mode travelers. Finally found it in Colleen. And that's that's what they're doing. 
Oh, yeah. And also, too, I remember, I was like, I feel like he was kind of confined to his stall, too. Well, because, because he, he was had, too nice yeah. to his handlers. Yeah. He was too nice he, to his humans, and they thought he was weak, and they were punishing him. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he was confined. He wasn't allowed to go anywhere. This is just kind of like a rundown of what happened. Okay. Soon she learned of his situation because he made a comprehensive explanatory mental picture. This was a reality in which the horses governed, just as the dogs, cats, and bears governed some of the realities she had passed. They did it by telepathy, imposing their will on human beings. To an outside observer, this was much like a human reality, but here the humans acted at the behest of the horses, feeding them, exercising them, and guarding them. But Sekiro had too much of a mind for leisure. He wanted to explore new frontiers and gain new understandings. He also tended to be generous to his handlers. This had made other horses look bad, and finally they had acted by removing his handlers, effectively confining him to his stall. He was being pressured to change his ways. He had resisted, and then he felt the questing on the virtual mode. And so that's pretty much what it is. He'd been just kind of like looking and hoping, and then Colleen came, and that's that's it. And now they're going to go and adventure together. They're... But they got to get him out first. Yeah. So Sakira asked Colleen to get him some supplies before they can head out. She dresses as the humans in Sekiro's mode, which has a complicated hat tassel system to let them know, like, <laughs> their station, yeah, and, their but station, also to communicate. And, yeah, because the humans here can't speak. And I'm like, come on, after hundreds, billions of years, they would have found a way to communicate with I each other. I don't know, because if, if the... Somewhat, I mean, come on. Well, I'm assuming that the horses, are the horses like the top tier of this yes, reality? I think so. So then they're they're probably going to experience more of the evolutionary type of thing rather than humans, right? Well, it doesn't I mean, indicate that the humans the are humans? stupid. I don't, did Maybe they say they words? Did no, they? But no, they don't. I don't think they do. Is it just, I don't know. I don't think they speak, but the, the, he also makes it clear that the humans do not speak to each other. Maybe they, they're not allowed to. Maybe. And they're only allowed to communicate with their hat the tassels. stupid hat tassels. <laughs> Which, of course, uh, Colleen accidentally tosses her head and puts it in the position of, hey, I want to have sex with you, <laughs> which causes a guy to strip straight in front of her. <laughs> oh, so, and she's kind of like going along with it, isn't she? No. She, she she's, all it? she's doing is standing there in horror while being like, Sekiro, <laughs> what the hell do I do now? And so eventually Sekiro influences him with her mind. To yes. well, he tells her to make a gesture that essentially indicates to him that they'll that she'll meet him later, right? And they can do it then. And Colleen's like, I don't want to do that. And he's like, Don't worry, we're not going to be here. We're going to be gone. Yeah, but then she also feels badly too because then she felt like she lied to him. Oh my god, get over it, girl. <laughs> I mean, and then so Sekiro puts the puts the thought of yes. meeting that man with an into another another woman's, woman's head. head. Yep. <laughs> so that's how we learn that he can influence the will of other people and basically make and, them do and actions yeah make but I them mean, feel and do what they want them to do which yeah. is really kind of scary <laughs> which is why they can like control tell the humans. humans yeah and tell humans like brush my coat i kind of felt like i don't know i was kind of bored with their escape well no it is it's okay. not it's not very exciting maybe so. it's just because he's so verbose i swear he uses <laughs> so many words like, oh my gosh <laughs> She doesn't like Sekiro. I mean, okay. No, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about Piers Anthony. Oh, it's Piers just everything Anthony. is oh, so he, wordy. Yeah, I didn't really like go into like, a lot of detail about their escape. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. La, la, la. Basically, this entire exchange to me is to indicate the power that the horse has. 
So not only can he influence them with their mind, with his mind, but he can also see through their eyes, which yes, is also important true. to know. So she does eventually get out, but not before the in charge horses essentially quote unquote whip them, whip oh, her yeah, with mentally whip. So yes. once again, that's also to tell us what the horses are capable of. Right. They can do damage to you. They can force you to do what they want you to do. They can see through your eyes. Terrifying overpowered horses right but they do escape so you know cool they leave Sekiro's mode this is also kind of where we figure out how anchors work okay well here's my question and maybe you're about to explain it um why are they allowed to travel independently as far as like so prima had to be physically connected to darius why is it that that Colleen doesn't have to be, or that Sekiro doesn't have to be physically connected to? Because Sekiro is an anchor point. He grabbed okay. it with his mind, just like she did. Okay. So, but Prima grabbed hers twenty years ago, and it dissolved. Okay. And it, now we have a new one, and we have five new points, and so, so only the, those five points can move points, amongst them. Wait, are the points the people? Yeah, the people who grabbed them. Okay. And I think that they mention when they explain to this that it would just be sapiens that could grab it. Right. Not necessarily humans. humans. Which is clear because we have a horse. But, you know, they have to be sapient. Okay. You know. So he grabbed it when he felt the call. And now he is able to move through, through the, the modes. modes just like she is. Gotcha. And then whoever else has the other points, which we'll find out. Okay. <laughs> so we've got three so far. Yeah, so we've got two. three. So there's two more. We learn that he can control Colleen's body in such a way that she could do things she normally couldn't do because essentially he allows her to reach her full potential. Right. They kind of like uh, test it with like her attacking a tree or something mm -hmm. where, you know, she's holding back because she's like, I can't do this. And he's like, yeah, you can. can. And so he allows her to do things she wouldn't be able to do normally. So okay. this horse is awesome. I don't, I don't know how you can't like him. Anyway. They also talk about Colleen's depressive nature. Sakira wants to understand. Colleen doesn't know if she wants to tell him, but he asks her to just like feel it so she can read, so he can read it from her mind. And so this is when we get the whole oh. story about all the things she's been through. Man. I think I managed to uh It's a doozy. I managed to boil it down to like five points. So let's just see if I can sum it up, okay? Okay. Yeah. Colleen learned about the unfairness of the world by visiting a place of poverty, was distraught to find out how poorly some people lived while she had everything. Mm -hmm. So she volunteered at a hospital, hoping to do some good in the world. Mm -hmm. There, she learned about sex from a man who forced her to read erotic fiction to him. <laughs> Dirty old man. That's Piers Anthony. I was about himself. to say, is that Piers Anthony yeah. when he's older in yeah. a nursing home? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He might already be there. Who knows? She also learned about suicide from a man who was admitted to the hospital for trying to kill himself and then eventually succeeded after being, like, saved. That was a really sad story. It was sad. And this is happening when she's 13, Yeah, I think. She's 13. She was 12 when she found out about poverty. Yep. 13 when she started working at the hospital. Yep. And then she learns more about death from victims of a bus, bus crash and how she oh is God. helpless to save them, yeah. essentially. So this, coupled with the fact that her parents have a horrible relationship caused her to experiment with dating at a very young age. Mm -hmm. That's when she got into a bad situation and was essentially gang raped. Yes. Very sad. She got drunk, was forced to drink or peer pressured into drinking and got raped. And so now she doesn't trust men at all. 
Yeah. Essentially. Or anybody, really. Yeah. So later she felt betrayal when she shared the secret of her suicidal nature with a friend at camp and her friend blurted the secret out in front of everyone. So now she's like, well, now I just can't trust anyone to tell them anything. So all of this has created her depressive nature that she has now. Well, one of the interesting points about the summer camp is that, let's see, she gets asked by some kid to go to the dance and then she danced, has a good time. She kisses him. She gets in trouble for it. She goes back to the roommate who blurted out her secret and her roommate is sad that nobody asked her to the dance and to essentially get the boy out of trouble and to help this girl she said that she like took her date mm-hmm. and that Co- that Colleen took her took her roommate's date yeah, and, and she's the one that kissed kiss. him yeah so then that girl gets taken by a counselor back to the dance anyway long story short I thought it was really interesting that despite all of the trauma and the terrible things that have happened to her she's still like this selfless person like she she was willing to put her i mean she just well she doesn't seem like a selfish person at all no like she's not mean she's not no she doesn't put herself before anyone no really she maybe it's because she feels like she's not worth anything that's another thing too i'm like maybe it's because she doesn't feel that she has any value so it's very easy to put other people but i just thought you know it was interesting that despite feeling so betrayed and like angry at this girl for saying her secret out loud, yeah. she still helped her. Yep. I like Colleen. I like her too. She's yeah. a good character. Yeah. She's got a lot, a lot of depth to her, whether or not it's uh realistic. I don't know, <laughs> but I enjoy reading about her. Yeah. So she tells Sekiro her story. She realizes she feels better after sharing her story with Sekiro. Sekiro reveals that he has the ability to, make her feel better with this telepathy like he can remove all her depressive feelings but that he will not do that because then she'll be happy and give up her quest because she's going on this quest to seek happiness if she's happy then she might just go and leave him and so she's like uh you being selfish and he's like yeah kind (laughs) of i want you to go on this quest for me but but she also is like no i also don't want you to remove those feelings for me because I want to know that when I'm happy, I'm truly happy. Right. Which is, I mean, would you, if someone told you that they could, with their mind, make you 100% happy, Well, would you do it? Uh, no. And this is, this, I kind of relate. I know every, everybody's got their thoughts about this, and I'm not trying to put any kind of opinion on anyone. But for me personally, um, I care very much about knowing my own true feelings and so sometimes with antidepressants uh i wasn't comfortable with feeling nothing right or so it made you feel nothing it didn't make you feel happy it just made you feel nothing um well there were some that made me feel nothing and then there were other time other ones that um just made me not care about things so much so it was easier to experience joy because i wasn't wasn't hung up on other things exactly i feel like colleen does like i want to know that what i'm feeling is what i'm feeling right but there's also you know there's also too um if it's a if if it's a brain chemistry thing and your brain is not producing what it needs then taking taking antidepressants it helps would help so it's i don't know like i said it's a personal choice but uh if there were a magic horse (laughs) That could grant me that. You would not take it. No, because part of of my personality is 
I, not that I revel in misery or, but part of being a human being is experiencing pain and suffering. And I feel like in this story, Colleen is who she is because of what she's experienced. Absolutely. She would be a totally different person. She would. So basically the end of the chapter is just they have a discussion, they decide it's time to rest, and they lay down together, and Colleen (laughs) feels happy. So maybe Sekiro could be something to multiply other people's joy. Yeah, they never think, (laughs) you know what, it's because because he can't be a wife. Yeah, please don't lay with a horse. Now that you've mentioned that, that makes me really mad because I'm pretty sure that they never once consider him as a candidate. And I'm like, they should. I mean, he could have sex with, like, Darius could have sex with Colleen the night before, but then just take some stuff from Sekiro. Yeah, and just just lay on top of Sekiro (laughs) while you're doing it. You get fun horse cuddles and... You could, but like, and because he has the ability to influence people, so he, Sekiro could. Would his telepathy work in his mode, though? I don't know. Actually, I do know, but I'm not going to tell okay. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we're going to finish the next part of this uh, next week. How do you feel so far? You feel kind of indifferent, I feel like. No. Like you're kind of no, like it's more of unsure like, how you feel. No, it's a lot to process, mm-hmm. honestly. There are parts of it where I really enjoy the story and the concepts, and there are other parts of it where I feel like I'm reading a textbook, Yeah, and I've just got to get through it because I'm going to have an exam on it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's just his writing style. Whew. Yeah. I don't know. How could you read a series? They get, I'm not going to lie, they get kind of tedious. Um, I think it's the third book. Maybe it's the second book. There's there's some serious math in some of the later ones. Lord, and no. I am pretty sure I skimmed over all of that, <laughs> and it didn't affect my understanding of what was going on. Yeah, because a lot of these conversations, it's just like they're just talking and talking and talking. But you could just skip it because mm-hmm. look what I did. I skipped it all, and you know what's happening, right? Yeah. All right. I really love this book. Still, despite all its flaws, it it means a lot to me. And I'm looking forward to finishing the rest of it. Yeah, I'm excited to find out what happens. Let us know uh, what you think about all the deep topics we've <laughs> talked about. Lord, oh my God. <laughs> Until next time. Bye, guys. Bye. To learn more about us and see what we're going to read next, visit our website at growingupbookish.com.